You are now tuned in to Westworld FM, a podcast about HBO's Westworld. My name is Alex. My name is Nick. Today we will be discussing Season 4, Episode 6 of the show, titled Fidelity. If you have not watched through Season 4, Episode 6, please pause this and go catch up. You can find more episodes of our podcast at westworld.fm, and you can send feedback to westworldfm at gmail.com. Send us corrections, observations, anything regarding Westworld or our podcast. If you enjoyed this show or any other show on the Midwest Podcast Network, please consider heading over to mpn.bz slash patreon or patreon.com slash midwestpodnet and pledge as little as a dollar a month to make our network even better. Special thanks to Corey Z, Alan K, Tom Z, Jason K, and David O, who have pledged at the level of $10 per month. Thank you, guys. We very much appreciate your patronage. Uh, No corrections this week. No feedback this week. We got everything completely correct, even all of our speculation. Uh, And Yes. Yeah. Unbroken. Unbroken streak. Yes. I think we can get right into it, unless you have any pre-roll. Ooh. Mm. Hey. <laughs> nope, I don't think so. <laughs> Good. I don't think so. Was that, a so. Scott, uh, was that an, uh, an Adam Scott uh, noise that you just made there from uh, you talking yeah, to, to me? Because it no, very much sound. I actually, I was thinking of him from uh, Parks and Rec when he takes that swig of that scotch and he's like, oh, hey. <laughs> <laughs> that's funny. As soon as it came out of my mouth, that's what I thought right away. I was like, oh, you, hit, you hit it right on. Cause apparently no, those are just noises he makes. So he does have a tone signature. Yes, Scott, Scott sounds. Yes. Scott and Scott. Do you have any pre-roll? I don't have any pre-roll. Okay. I think I'm just ready to go here. Okay. I think these are my most limited recap sentences that I've ever done before. It's kind of working out, though. Yeah, no, I think it's good. They're good jumping off points. And plus, the fewer words it is, the less likely I am to completely trip all over all of them. That's true. You made it about three sentences into this episode before you did. (laughs) (laughs) But I bet through the magic of editing, no one one will know other than me. uh, Unless I forget. I made That's a little note here in the Zencaster, but anyway, yeah. Yeah, I remember right. like our recaps in like season two were just like paragraphs of like everything that happened. Dolores and Maeve went to Sweetwater to then, no. Yeah, yeah. basically. It's rough. I can't listen to them. There's enough. I, can't, I cannot listen to our old episodes. Even gone to Texas, I can't do it because I'm like, this is so bad. I it's don't, a wonder that we have anybody listening right now. <laughs> I I don't I could probably count on one hand the number of old episodes of literally anything we've ever done that I've mm. gone back and listened to. Because I feel kind of the same way no matter what I say or how succinctly or how accurate or whatever. And I, this is by no means like a a judgment call on like the quality of our like ah it's the best we say the best shit i just don't (laughs) like it no i just i can't go back and listen to anything really that i've ever said i do i have listened to like a game nerds i've i've only been on like two maybe three episodes of the game nerds i've gone back and listened to one or two of those because um i'm not one of the main people on it so it's kind of nice to hear how the conversation went but uh yeah these these recaps i don't know it's not for me. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No. Well, and I'm sure some of it is that I don't want to hear myself talk. I think ever. that's the biggest thing. Period. For sure. 
you know, I can do the film nerd stuff because there's usually three or four of us and you guys fill enough of the spaces that aren't me that I'm like, I can get through this. But, you know, speaking of film nerds, this, this, here's my pre-roll. All right. I got pre-roll now. (laughs) Uh, And on the note of trying to keep our episodes shorter and and that I'm going to ramble on about pre-roll. So (laughs) in our, in our discord, I've been posting a couple pictures and mentions of the Royal Oak main Main art Art theater, Mm -hmm. which was a, uh, I think it was a historic building, essentially. It was never designated as such, but it certainly was eligible uh, in downtown Royal Oak, Michigan, which is my longtime stomping grounds before it was cool uh, when I was a kid. I mean, it was always cool, but it wasn't like as busy as it is now. Uh, it's the not main, cool anymore either. Cause no, it's not. No it's just anywhere. too much trend now. Yeah. Um, and not the good kind of trend. No. Uh but the main art theater was an art theater. It was one of the kind of main ones <laughs> in uh, in Oakland County. Uh, that was totally not on purpose. <laughs> Forgive me, dad. Dad jokes. Uh, it was one of the main theaters in the area that that was in our an art house theater. There weren't that many of them, and uh, I wish I could remember the first movie I ever saw there. Um. I think I know uh, mine. Oh yeah, what was it? I believe it was a uh, a uh, repertory. Is that the word? Uh, like a uh, a reshowing of uh, Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory. Oh, that's with cool. Gene Wilder. It was very good. Uh, oh, not with, with Johnny John. Depp. Okay. No, <laughs> no, that's Charlie and the Chocolate Factory. Thank you yeah. very much. Yes. Uh, I went with John and our friend Paul, and it was good. It was very good. I like that movie a lot. I, I was very, I was pretty young. I was probably like, yeah, somewhere between eight and 12. Would oh, be wow. My guess That's younger than I me. Went to that. Yeah. I, I think I probably went as like a teen, like later in my teen years, like senior year of high school, but I didn't grow up over here, but my dad has lived over here for a really long time. So I was, you know, a weekend, a weekender in Royal Oak, but, uh, yeah, I wish I could remember. But at any, any rate, uh, so the theater is now gone. It has been demolished because I think they said they put up on their marquee one day, like two years ago or something, like landlord kicked us out, rent too high or something. I don't know. Just mm-hmm. they, they want to use the building for something else. And it was it caused a kind of a grassroots movement to try to save it, try to get it designated as a historical building and thus like give it some sort of landmark status. But evidently the owner of the property has to file for that and they weren't interested. So they, mm. they took down the theater. Uh, it has now been pretty much, I think knocked to the ground, but it's been unfolding over social media for the last few days, weeks as they've been taking it down. And it's just a real bummer. There's like tons of people from the greater, I mean the tri-county area and, and otherwise even people from out of state commenting on the, uh, the Facebook group that was trying to save the theater commenting on their memories and stuff there. And, uh, you know, it's a, it's, it's really shitty to see. I've never been as weirdly attached to a building as I am, but watching it, you know, hearing it's going to go down as you enclose, it's like you're sad, but then when you actually see it physically being torn down to the earth, it's take, gives a whole new meaning. Uh, so yeah, there's not, there's not really an art theater. There's, and there are a couple still that are not too far. So it's not like we've mm-hmm. lost the only game in town, so to speak. But you know, the film nerds, we certainly saw a lot of movies there 
uh, they used to do like that was kind of the originator in the area of like midnight movies showing old mm-hmm. uh, classics and stuff like uh, literally at midnight they would start and when we were in our late teens early 20s mid 20s it was certainly more doable than it is today the notion of starting a movie <laughs> at midnight now makes me gag uh, but back then it was great it was really fun mm-hmm. we'd make a night of it we'd go have dinner we'd hang out for a bit bum around town and then slide into the movie and uh, it was awesome. So it was yes. a it definitely a, played a big part in the uh, the life of this of this network and that and the film nerds podcast especially. So take a moment to uh, recognize how cool that theater was and uh, yeah, I don't know Park how many good times out. we had there. <clears throat> yeah. yeah, and if you have um, a theater like that around you, go to it. Yes, just see some shit. And uh, keep it alive. Keep the interest alive. I mean, it, it makes me... When you and I uh, went and saw The Green Knight last year at the Birmingham 8, which is mm-hmm. kind of a similar theater in yeah. ways. It's kind of becoming that almost, but yeah. <laughs> uh, it didn't used to. It used to be like a, a real big deal theater, but now it's it's like a little one that shows more artsy stuff like The Green Knight. And uh, mm-hmm. And uh, we do we see Theaters everything that we, have like 20, 20 seats in them. If yes, like yeah, like we saw Noah there. I remember, and that was great. Mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. Stuff like that. But anyway, so yeah, that theater now. Uh, since we went and saw, had that uh, that showing there, <clears throat> it was so much fun. And I was like, oh man, we got to get up to this theater more often because I mean the yeah. megaplexes and stuff are cool for all the all the big tentpole summer stuff. But uh, there's something about getting into a little theater that uh, is just kind of special and fun. Yeah. No, the worst thing about it to me for the for the main art is that it's, as we noted, Royal Oak is becoming very trendy, and it's going to get torn down for like lofts or something stupid, another parking structure, yeah, on the main drag, and it's just kind of like, what a waste. Yeah, I don't know that you it's know? been revealed yet what's going to go there, but I'm sure it's going to be some multi-purpose uh, retail. You know when they when they took down the the old music shop that was there, and I think it's yeah. where there's that shoe store now. There's like a, I don't know, some kind of shoe store because I, mm-hmm. I and every time I've driven past it on like, shouldn't say every time, but m- many times I've driven by and there's been a line going down the street and people waiting at the door for the release of some sneaker. And obviously, like I'm not clearly by the tone of my voice, I'm not like a shoe person, even though I have a ton of shoes. I do love shoes. I have a, a weird amount for for a, a guy. I'm told, but I would never wait in a line for a shoe. Mm. And uh, just something about that really made me go, "This is weird. Like, why? Why is this? I don't know." But Royal Oak used to be like very, I don't know, kind of small townish, and it felt like kind of historical, and it always had kind of trendy uh things in it but it was not like it is now so it's not and it's not even necessarily a bad thing you know it's it brings money into the city and etc cetera, etc cetera. but you know losing those those kind of cultural touchstones in the city are, are a real drag so yeah i don't know it's interesting but that was a great theater we had great times it's sad that it's gone but uh you know support your your small theaters and go see stuff there because it does matter absolutely Absolutely. Yeah. There will be no creating a host version of the main art theater to no. resurrect over and over again and see what it does when you tell it that its daughter is still alive. <laughs> <laughs> the, uh, How's that for a segue? <laughs> yeah. Okay. Yeah. The, yeah. Why don't we just get into the episode? Then? <laughs> 
Hey, oh, Alex, we'll boy. get back on topic, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Recap. Let's do it. First first line here. Frankie and Wade recruit Jay just as he's about to breach, but not without losing a member of the resistance to drone hosts. Wow. So we saw is, kind of the That is brief here, right? It, yeah. I, I I did it. I was like one sentence. There's a couple that are like two, but that was certainly one. Cool. Um we saw the origin of Frankie and Jay's relationship, uh, mm-hmm. which is interesting to start filling in some of that gap that we weren't sure if we would start filling in at all. But, um, you know, I didn't quite feel the horror of this one as much because the, you know, I think the shot panning over to the drone house was cool, but it just kind of felt like they could have been standing there the entire time. Hmm. You mean like you thought they should have been or no, no. But like, I think the, there were kind of two things to it. I feel like it would have been more impactful if it wasn't just like everybody still. And then, Oh, we changed to a shot that we haven't really seen. And guess what? These guys are here. Mm. And yeah, then on top this... of that, go ahead. go ahead. No, no, you go. I was just gonna say. On top of that, it feels kind of like really just, they just send two of these guys, and then like, <laughs> I, that's I did it. have that note as well. Yeah. yeah. So it's like Paul Paul Blart drone host. <laughs> the drones. Anyway. The drones have so much potential to be scarier than they are. They always do freak me out until they start walking around, and it just then I just think that's so plainly a person just in a suit. Like it. There's mm-hmm. nothing too ominous about them other than like the lack of facial features which is really good but like i wish there was someone of like a like a doug jones caliber inside those suits that was Mm. very much like a body performer that could make the movements more either like notable i either like supernaturally smooth like like cast a bunch of like dancers in them so they like glide around and look you know more human than human or make them kind of robotic and like scary they just look yeah. like a dude walking around so that always kind of pulls well, me out like of it a the, little bit the rubber suitiness of it where you yeah see like you can see the joints it, like, like flexing from the body yeah exactly Which is fine because i'm sure they're like these are just drones they just need like their their guts covered it doesn't mm-hmm. need to be but anyway yeah i know what you mean totally like so this episode I have a feeling when when I go back, whenever I go back and rewatch this, I'm just going to be able to make a bulleted list of which influences were in this season's episodes. Mm. And mm. this episode, Terminator, I think was a big one for me. Uh, yeah. The, in, in a lot of ways. But in this scene, I, I just kind of thought, like, somehow it reminded me of Terminator 1. Uh, and it was something about the gag of them having to hold still to blend mm. in that I thought was so cool. I was Hmm. really, really into that because it never occurred to me that like they could evade detection if they just don't move. And I thought that's so hilariously like low tech, but kind of awesome in a way that like, I mean, we don't know how the drones see or, you know, what's going on, but just literally the idea that they could just stand still and not move and the drones won't know, won't be able to separate, (laughs) you know, which humans from which. Yeah. Uh, I think is so cool. And I want, I really would love to see more of that. This is kind of also what reminded me of Terminator, just like a kind of a low tech and easy way to hide 
from detection was just really cool and, and really tense. And yeah, I think you're, you're right. The reveal of the drone standing there was cool, but right away I'm like, well, where are they? Did they pop out of sewer manholes or yeah. what? Yeah. And why are there only two of them? And I started to think like if this scene had been directed by like a M Knight in his prime, like I was thinking of some of the scenes, like the reveals of like signs, uh, yep. how good, how effective it could be. Uh, but I bought into it still. I thought it was cool. Cause as that fly was moving towards that guy's face, didn't all he did was blink. And yes. the drone knew somehow, yeah, like how, oof, man, that was cool. <laughs> and they just leave him straight up. They're like, bye. They just take off. Well, and that's part of what, like, I don't know. I think one of the things that puts me off of some of this and why I think observing this, like, human parasite world wouldn't stand up to too much scrutiny is that I start thinking about like, all right, if they're broadcasting orders to everybody and everybody's on their loops, do they really not know? Like when somebody starts having a conversation that they shouldn't have, does that not interrupt the like command? Like, I don't know. There's something to me that like, I feel like if you have that much ultimate control over what's going on, you'd be able to see these breaches immediately. It's like if you have this massive clockwork, if you had a grandfather clock and one of the cogs doesn't move, then there's a chain reaction of everything that falls apart, you know? And so I feel like there's some sort of disparity there that I don't quite understand the what what i'm not realizing that makes it make sense that like hale doesn't know literally everything going on at every moment and therefore outliers stick out like absolute sore thumbs and get dealt with immediately so i don't know that was probably very ineloquent and my apologies but well, I think, no, I see what you're saying. And I, I would like to know what the limitations are. And I think maybe yeah. it's just truly that the the sheer amount of, of power required to con- constantly process that amount of data is just un- undoable or like, that's not even the right word, but like, it just can't, it's beyond even the technology of that time. Because if you have an entire island of people and you want to constantly keep tabs of every thought running through their head and every word coming out of their mouth, it's like, I mean, I... Even even if but, they but, could but, process it, can they sift through it all, right? Right, because they, at the you're... end of the day, they're not hosts. Like, they mm-hmm. are not code running through a script. Like, they are still human so i think all you can kind of do is like give them blinders and and put a carrot in front of them but you don't really know i don't know there's just not a way it's kind of like in like a in like a really massive uh trying to think of a, a way to pare the analogy down like in like in a massive like plumbing system of like a like a hospital or something for example if you have a network of hot and chilled water pipes that run through a whole massive structure but you have a couple small leaks somewhere and you know that your your system is not returning back the amount of water that it's sending out but you don't know where the leaks are you'd have to go through and inspect 
every inch of that in order mm. to identify the leaks and then patch them and then another one might spring. It's like not everything is kind of uh, – whereas the hosts I think are more analogous to like a circuit. Like you flip the light switch and the light doesn't go on. You say, well, there's something between here and the light switch that's amiss and I can – I know from the fact that that lights that bulb didn't go on that there's a problem between here and there mm-hmm. and uh, I can probably find it more easily. But – I don't know. Those are rough analogies, but that's kind of how well, I'm choosing, no, choosing think, to think about I th- it. I think you're right. I don't know. I guess what I'm the ambiguousness of like how programmed are the humans even at this point? Mm-hmm. Like we know that they're like brainwashed. They can make them forget things. They have like a narrative that's been given to them, but like they still need the flexibility to interact with the host. However, the host choose. Right. Yeah. And so it's kind of like, I don't know. There's a wishy washiness that I'm not quite, comfortable with it is gray yeah it is gray for sure and i don't think we're ever going to get the rules so to speak i think it's kind of up I to need us a rule book i want it written down <laughs> so i can never read it because i don't know how to read i think i think a lesser show would try to do that though i would yeah, probably no. try to spell it all out for you and it would either work and we'd be like okay i buy into that or we'd be like eh, that doesn't work for me or that doesn't seem reasonable to me i think having it be a little bit ambiguous is almost better i think you're right there's just a few things that caused me to hang up about it because I think about it too much. No, I, I, I agree with but, you. I, I thought the same thing. I even had the same observation. Like I have a note that says, why aren't there like 20 drones? Like why do they just, <laughs> just dispatch small teams to address this stuff? But I think all, yeah. I think, I and I think someone, I don't know if someone wrote in or you had said it or what the deal was, but maybe just the pure confidence of having that ultimate control means. Yeah. Yeah, we kind of the, talked about that last week. Yeah, so it's kind Our of maybe... supervillain moment. Hale's just yes. very like, eh, I got it. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Second part of the cold open was C and Bernard rolling up to post-apocalyptic temperance. That was cool. It's just a brief little scene. That was really um, cool. But yeah, we wasted temperance. I guess that's the thing. Is, I, they're implying temperance is in the Forbidden Land, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, because, yeah, so... Yeah, the Forbidden Land is the original Westworld at this point. I think we we know. Well, I mean, not, not the well, original. It's not the, it's the, not new the one. original. Yeah, you're right. It's, it's the Temperance, right? Yes. Maybe original Westworld is the Forbidden Forbidden Land. It's below. The double Forbidden Land. Yeah. Um, yeah. No, I'm curious what kind of led to that apocalyptic event there. Did humans try to nuke it out or something oh maybe yeah skynet somebody start launching some nukes yeah yeah i don't know we'll uh i have a feeling we'll see yeah um all right next up charloris reveals that caleb is only alive for her to try and learn how how and why the outliers are able to breach um so this is something that we've been talking about for the past couple weeks why would caleb why would she bring Caleb back? And we got a pretty plain answer for it. And it makes sense. Yeah. I think, you know, yeah, I do. I buy into Although it. There's part of me that's like, what of a biological human when they become a host can even answer that kind of question about like parasitic, you know, you go from being meat space, organic to like robot, still kind of meets base i don't know but yeah it is that's another one of those kind of gray areas where why yeah. 
why does he remember everything up until the moment he was shot or yeah, the moment he died, like how did she have that amount of data, you know, Mm -hmm. up until the moment of death, basically. I don't know. It's just weird. I guess, I don't know, whatever. So I tried not to think about it too much with the, the whole uh, hybrid scenario was going to be problematic from the start in terms Mm -hmm. of how does it work? And, I, I certainly buy into it. I mean, it's not like I'm like, this makes, this doesn't work for me at all. Like I'm, I'm really into it, but a couple of times during this episode, I kind of just, I, I was, I guess, more struck by the horror of it by the end. Yeah. Uh, it's not really a gift at all. Um, so do you think they still are degrading because of something they can't figure out? Or are they degrading, degrading mentally or physically? Both. Right. Are they like she? She mentions that like your body has a fine like this. This body's not going to last long. And I, I took it as she was, she was basically just like, hey, if you help me answer this question, then I will help you transcend. We will put your consciousness into our, oh, I see, gamer heaven, and you'll be up there. <laughs> um, but uh, I think I was no, wondering my... if, if if she was purposefully making flawed Caleb's that yes. wouldn't continue to exist yes, or that... if it's still, they can't quite perfect the human host hybrid. Cause no, I guess uh, William's good, right? Yeah. Yeah. A hundred percent. No, I think she just was putting him in like cheap bodies that were designed to, to die off. I mean, again, it's like the blade runner thing. Like the, the replicants mm-hmm. were only engineered to live for four years. Planned to... obsolescence. Exactly. So that yeah. uh, they couldn't, they couldn't take over. They couldn't uh, rebel. And uh, yeah, I think that that's certainly how I took it. I, and I think okay. it's pretty apparent by the end that that, you know, it worked. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I think that fair. was her, that was her little uh, reward. She was dangling was I'll put you into a body that will, that will be, that will last like uh, essentially a, a, few, a full host body. I, I took it as uploading to the servers, but I don't know. Oh, really? I, I didn't. I didn't write down the lines to make to trigger why I thought that. But that was what I took it as. I don't think that would have any appeal for him. I think he'd want a permanent body that he could go meet up with Frankie again mm-hmm. and like live mm-hmm. his life life as he knows it. I don't think some sort of digital eternity would uh, appeal to a human. True, necessarily. Certainly not to yeah. Caleb. That's fair. Uh. Yeah, I don't think there's a whole lot else in this particular scene. There's more with Caleb soon. Yeah. Uh, back in Temperance, Bernard and C collect everything they need to bring Maeve back to life. So I think this episode confirmed that they did not know Stubbs Correct. and Bernard were hosts until <clears throat> until yep. C shoots him. Like, she clearly was suspected for a lot of things. She... Like, even in this scene and a few that follow it, she seems to be asking him questions that are kind of like, hmm, why do you know so much about this place? And why are you taking such good care of her? And, Definitely. you know, all these different her. things. How do you know so yes. much about Yeah. Exactly. Why are you constantly predicting the future? <laughs> <laughs> I liked a lot of his answers, though. They were funny. Oh, I just did a lot of probability and stuff when I worked at Delos. Well, and that's the thing. Yeah, no, I mean, I don't even... It's funny to me that he did nothing to hide it, but also like she dances around it too. There's yeah. none of it that's like, and maybe it's because he's an end to the means or he's the means to her end of waking up Maeve to be like, what the fuck is going on or what happened yeah. to my dad? But like, 
there's part of me that's like you can't even like dress it up a little bit bernard to kind of just you know not let people know that you've lived the future a, a billion times in different permutations i don't know enlightened bernard has no use for uh <laughs> he says it's gonna play out how it plays out <clears throat> yeah that's fair no need to dress that's it up maybe in all of the, the the realities where he didn't make it obvious that he knew something everything fell to shit yeah that's true maybe who knows um I really liked this whole sequence. Uh, Bernard's just the Jeffrey Wright is just so cool. He just is the whole show. Every scene could be about him and I'd be super into it. He's great. Yeah, he is great. He is great. Uh, this is the scene where they show, um, Bernard had a line. He said the people who built the original park and host, they first, they started first by building them in a simulation. Charlotte Hale did the same thing. This line gave me a little bit of pause due to some stuff that I thought of and put in our Discord after we last recorded uh, in terms of what could be going on with Christina. Right. Um, And it was mostly speculation, but I guess I don't know if it's necessary to bring it up here other than I just want to be able to call back to it if I end up being correct. But the idea that like so I said here, what if there's a processing unit at the center of the fly slash parasite command system, and it's actually a Dolores Pearl. So Christina's world is actually, in a way, a simulation of the real world in real time. Her thoughts can change narratives in her world, and they reflect in the real world via the fly slash parasite command tower. Teddy's a facsimile of Teddy that is made from Dolores's memory, a la Bernard, Host William, etc., and a subconscious Dolores is attempting to wake up Christina and have her stop being a pawn for the control system. I don't know if that'll be true, but yeah, Bernard, uh, Bernard's line of like Charlotte Hale started by building this park in a simulation. She built temperance in a simulation. So there's part of me that's like, of course she made her future in a simulation and maybe that's what we're seeing christina in is kind of my Mm, i see what you're saying now yeah okay there's there's there was it drew some connective tissue for me it's mostly just a guess at this point still i like that though that that would be one last little twist of of what we're seeing because i think we many of us at this point feel confident that the stuff we're seeing with christina and teddy is unrolling at the same time as Everything mm-hmm. else we're seeing in Manhattan, but perhaps not. Yeah, that's. Uh, I don't know though, because the uh, the outlier that Jay and Stubbs and them go get. I uh, yeah, I don't know. We'll see. Yeah, we'll see. Yeah, I and I'm I'm kind of like I don't quite know what purpose it would serve to pull that trick. Yeah, that's true. The only other thing that I kind of am. I feel like there's got to be something at the end of the season. And I feel like the default is like, what if this was all a simulation? <laughs> what if we pull back one more level and it turns out that this was Bernard finding the perfect solution or something like that? I don't know. Oh boy, that'd be weak. I would not be into yeah, that. Exactly. So hopefully not. Um, and then this is where they also showed, uh, you know, the old parks, they used to use hats, the new parks, they use mirrors, which, felt like a very 
on the nose, but I liked it of like humans are obsessed with their vanity. Mm-hmm. And so we preyed upon that to copy them through their mirrors. I think yep. that's pretty sweet. Yeah. The hat, it doesn't make as much sense to me. Like the hat, I get it's like on your head. It can like, mm-hmm. you would think pull electrical signals out of your brain or something somehow, but still obviously far fetched sci-fi, but the mirror, I was like, I can see it getting like a really accurate body scan of you to print you. So that's something, but as far as, mm-hmm. you know, gathering your data, I don't know, but it, yeah, whatever it's Westworld. That's fine. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> not going to think too much about it. There's, there's two Ed Harris is talking to each other at one point. <laughs> yes. Uh, back to Caleb. Caleb is given cryptic clues by another Caleb to, uh, Caleb hosts or by other Caleb hosts to escape from captivity. This one's only like 10 words long and I still can't get through it. <laughs> I don't know. You did I'll read it one more time. Caleb is given cryptic clues by other Caleb hosts to escape from captivity. Um, I like this one. I liked the Caleb escape room experience. God, I loved I loved this episode. I don't know which episode from the season is my favorite, but this is a contender. Mm. All, everything Caleb was so cool. And as did it feel it, very limbo to you? <laughs> no, it felt very portal to me. Okay. Yeah, absolutely. Super portal. That's fair. Uh, mega portal was like the little signs scratched around saying which way to go and the handprints and all that. I That's was like, true. this is straight rat man shit. Someone uh, put the like the cake as a lie somewhere on the set. Oh, probably. Yeah, it's probably <laughs> in the background. Yeah, that I got a hot a hot take. Mm. A portal's really good. it's a really good game. And Portal for, from two thousand seven. Yeah. Very is that, good video game. Is that how old it is? Yeah, probably. Yes. What year did Portal <laughs> yes, Two come out? Uh like, it would have been like twenty four twenty no. It was a good stretch. Like twenty twelve, yeah. maybe. Portal two. 13? Came out 2011. 11, okay. 2011. Yeah, it's a good stretch. Uh, yeah. yeah, this was very portal heavy vibes. And I, my favorite stuff in portal was always that, that world building. And mm-hmm. that, those, as those glimpses behind the curtain. Yeah. Ugh, if portal is such a great, if anyone listening to this hasn't played portal and you have the ability to just yeah, do, Mark, stop what you're doing that's a and. Game. Oh That's my God! Yes, go Mark. It takes like played. seven hours to play, and you'll never regret it. You'll replay it every couple of years, like I do, and it just rips. Um, I beat it in one chemical engineering class at oh, one wow. point after nice. multiple plays, but and it was a three-hour sure. class. But I yeah, got you, through the you whole can, game. You can fire through it. Yeah, <laughs> yes. I started replaying it sometime last year, uh, and yeah, I think I did it in two sittings. Mm-hmm. And I was kind of taking my time with some of it because I love all the world building in that game is so cool. And uh, the mm-hmm. way it unfolds is just perfect. They just slowly yep. tease you with it and it's just phenomenal. Anyway, so yeah, I was super into all this stuff. And uh, that line when the one Caleb says, I only know what I told me. I was mm-hmm. just like, what is happening here? <laughs> like this is this is one part like time travel story, one part clone experience, mm-hmm. one part portal i mean it just was like so many influences all rolled up into one uh thread in this episode and i would just was super into all of it it's so good and, and aaron paul I, I keep having the same note i probably have it for like every episode of the season i just have at some point a sentence that just says this is why they cast aaron paul mm-hmm. um 
because he just is so good at demonstrating those emotions on his face without needing to say it, you know, convey it through dialogue or anything like that. He can just do so much. And like the, the mixture of, of dread and realization and uh, determination and hope still is just so much happens in this episode. And I'm so glad like they could have easily taken the contents of this one episode and stretched it out over two or three episodes. Mm-hmm. And I think a lesser show would have done that. And it might've been cool. Part of me kind of wishes that it had been a little bit longer, but at the same time to start an episode of this revelation and then have it kind of closed off within the same episode to an extent, uh, it's just so cool. I just loved it. Loved it. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I did. I was curious um, when, um, when the, one of the hosts says to him, if you succeed, run, if you fail, hide, um, I, I guess what he means by that, uh, becomes clear by the end, mm-hmm. but I began to, I was like, is this some kind of programming l- language? Like so many of the dialogue choices in the show, I wonder if they relate back to like coding or programming or logic, logic. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Cause it does, it does have that structure to it. Yeah. Uh, but I didn't do any further research, so probably not. I mean, I think by the end we understand what he was trying to tell him, but. I wondered, how did he know? I just, the whole, I don't know, the whole Caleb network, the Caleb information network uh, was confusing. But I guess by the end, we also see that a lot of it was puppeted by Hale. So, yeah, it's, yeah. Um, I don't know. I, I'd have to watch it again. This is one I actually really want to watch again, like soon. Cause it was well, just so it's cool. very symbolic of like a brute force attack in the sense of like, eventually one thing is going to succeed. If you keep throwing, yes, throwing things at the problem, one of them is going to, to work out. Right. Yep. And so this like normal distribution of dead Caleb's around that didn't quite make it are there to then assist <laughs> one Caleb into getting further. It's cool. It kind of reminds me a lot of like playing a dark souls game. It reminds me a lot of, you know, just, uh, yeah, like 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 brute force, you know, uh, a DDoS attack of like trying to take down, you know, a lot of a lot of resource getting thrown at a, at something brings it down. That kind of thing. I yeah, think it's interesting. Yeah, because he's he's built to seventy eight or something like that. Yes. Um, I guess now as soon as you said that, it does kind of remind me of Limbo or more more uh, inside. Now that uh, you mention it, because yeah, that kind of idea of like sort of sieging a problem until uh, it's solved, which I guess is also kind of a portal thing. So, so spoilers for Portal, and I'll keep <laughs> the game it to we like just told you I'll, to pay, play. Oh, oh yes, I will keep it yes. to like thirty seconds. But by just fast forward, uh, isn't Shell like not? a unique individual, but a, like a clone in the first port. Like, isn't shell like a, because they talk about how many failed test subjects in the past and you get incinerated. She's a test subject. I don't know if she's a clone or not, but she uh, might yeah. be. I it's think been I got, a while. I got the, it's been a while. I got the impression <laughs> that a uh, shell was shell number 800 something. Uh, yeah, I think you, you know, might be right. You might just right. keep printing chills and sticking them in here and saying, you know, you're a test subject here. Thanks for volunteering. Because they keep reinforcing you with like, oh, thanks for volunteering and all that. Where I don't mm-hmm. think it was, uh, you know, voluntary at all. Um, yeah. So anyway, yes, another another kind of portal um, moment here. Yeah. 
No, I li- the limbo thing kind of came to me when he uses one as a uh, yes to to break his fall was yep, the definitely felt the most you know but and the body horrorness of it all not that limbo is like body horror necessarily but I know what you're saying definitely yeah, yeah inside, that is for sure body horror for sure yes but anyway yeah and inside using the like the other the guys you can mind control around to like boost yes. you up and help you out and. They kind of sacrifice themselves for you at multiple points. Yep. It's really cool. Yeah. God, that game yeah. is just fucking masterpiece. I love yes, Inside it so much. That's a game I play yearly, at least once a year, sometimes more. Yeah. Play that one too, Mark. Limbo and Inside both. They're, they mm. are my two most played video games for sure. Because you can yeah. play, you can do it and you can beat those in like four hours or less. I could probably beat Inside in like two hours. I could fly through that game. Small, strong experiences. Amazing That's experiences. Next, yeah. Next preference. That I, <laughs> yes. <laughs> Fleeting, but memorable. Uh, yeah. Anyway, I love this. There was some, All the uh, stuff rocks. Well, and yeah, there were some nice peppered memories of Caleb and Uwade and Caleb and Frankie and a lot of these scenes just kind of giving you a little more of that color of what happened uh, in that eight-year gap even, I think, uh, that we've been wondering about, at least with Caleb and his family. So Yeah, I was really glad to see was nice. more of an expanded role for Uwade. It's not a ton, but I thought she was just going to be gone like from the show. Well, and... I liked what her role was in that opening scene of like, she was the start of this resistance. Oh, for sure. Yeah, yeah. That was so, so cool. Mm-hmm. That was, that was awesome. Seeing, seeing her, you know, cause she, she gets a raw deal in those first couple episodes where it's just, she just kind of stands there to be like, yeah. Scared wife. You're, you're not in wartime anymore. Yeah. And scared wife as well. Yeah. Yeah. It was kind of cool that she does almost like kind of a Sarah Connor thing where, John mm-hmm. Connor has been kind of trained or not John Connor uh, Reese has been there training and such. And then he's gone and it's up to her to take up the cause and prepare the kid. And uh, yes. yeah, more Terminator, man. I'm telling you, yeah, I have a note. Absolutely. I have a note later in my notes. I don't remember what prompts it, but well, I'll wait till we get to it. So, okay. Sorry. Good. Carry on. Carry on. All right. Uh, last thing when he falls into the pile of ashes and realizes what he fell into. So sweet. <sighs> yeah. The matrix. Uh, all right. Next up, C reveals Bernard and Stubbs as hosts as Jay explains there's a mole in their midst. After sending everyone away, C tells Jay that she wants to wake Maeve to find out what happened to her father and then kill all of the hosts. Um, this is a lot. Yeah, the extraction team comes back uh, and there's rumblings of a mole. And that very much is confirmed to us, the audience, by Charlotte earlier in the episode, mm-hmm. I believe. Or later in the episode. Somewhere around this part of the episode. It's earlier, yeah. She tells Caleb, I, I sent a, I sent someone their way. That's right. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Right away, so I she was very like, much does see the rebels coming. We don't know how or why. But, yeah. Um, it's true. And even Jay's point later in the episode of, like, is it the outlier? Like, why didn't she just <clears throat> force a human to become an outlier and then react to it? I don't know. Well, it couldn't be a human. Yeah. Anyway, never mind. Um, yeah. So there's a line from 
from Cookie or Frankie. She says, feelings are just an affect to them, a switch that you can turn on and off. You can't love or lose fully when it's just a choice. So no, I don't have a soft spot for her like you apparently do. I thought that was a very interesting observation about hosts. And I feel like the thing about Maeve is that she doesn't feel it's a choice with her daughter or with Caleb, right? And that's maybe what makes her a perfectly poised, uh, you know, sympathetic to the humankind. But, um, yeah, Frankie's in for an education, I think. Yeah. Yeah. It's interesting to hear her get it so wrong. And Bernard just says nothing (laughs) goes about his business. Yeah, he says saving the world makes for strange bedfellows. That, that's, that's all right. he's able yeah. to say about yeah, it. Yeah, he doesn't like, bother yeah, it takes to all her. kinds, man. <laughs> yeah, because he knows it's not worth it. He's like, I'm not going to have this argument. Yeah, got other, other, got other shit to do here. He's like, I can't teach you this. Someone else will teach you this. Yep, you're going to have to learn. You Get it on your own time. Yeah. Or, or, or meeting your father as a host will teach you this. <laughs> yeah. Um. Yeah, the the uh, the thinginess of the mole, I think. I think that's the thing. Like, mole, any sort of... Were there any influences you thought of, like, uh, you know, hidden mole in group of people? No, I mean, it's pretty common. It's a pretty common trope. Pretty common one. I think that it it is more like an, kind of an invasion of the body snatchers type, or kind of like the thing where you know it's like... It's not simply a mole. It's like a completely different organism in there. That's someone imitating to... someone you knew. Yeah, exactly. Right? Yeah. Yeah. I loved that though. I, I like how right away Bernard's like, it's also not cut and dry. He's like, sometimes it's so-and-so. Sometimes it's so-and-so. Sometimes once in a while it's stubs. <laughs> so <laughs> yeah. I loved that added because I was like, as soon as they start, you know, going down that path, I'm like, well, Bernard's going to know it's who it is, but whether or not he can tell, I, I thought that was going to be the, the twist was him being like, I know who it is, but I can't tell you because when I do tell you shit goes sideways, uh, but it was just, I literally don't know because it's one of the five different options right now. We just have to see which one it is. Yeah. That's uh, interesting. So much cooler. Yeah. yeah. There was one, I was going to make a particular point about, uh, no, I thought it was interesting that like Frankie kind of clearly takes control of the situation. Yeah. Like, it doesn't really feel like there's that much of a hierarchy in this resistance. Like, it's Jay and Frankie, right, at the top. But, like, even so, she kind of... I think Jay, rolls, Jay fronts as the as the leader, but I don't think he really is. But he's not the brains of the operation. No, I think it's always <laughs> yeah, been Frankie. Yeah, and, and but I guess the other thing that I'm saying is that, like, I find it interesting that Frankie is immediately ready to throw Bernard to the, like at at least plays like she's immediately ready to throw Bernard to the wolves. As long as she gets Maeve reactivated. I think she is. I think in that moment she is, she's ready to toss him because she's like, well, I was right. And I'm sure she's been burned before Mm -hmm. by, uh, it's also actually this did remind me of the first Terminator as well when there's the scene in the future of uh, Reese at the base like the uh, the small like camp and the Terminator infiltrates 
uh, the camp and just starts killing people um, mm-hmm. because they can just hide in, you know, a, a, a human, a living tissue and be undetectable. Yeah. Uh, so cool. I would love, I would love to see Nolan enjoy uh, Tackle Terminator. Yeah. Just make a Terminator movie. Get this train back on the tracks because you... <laughs> Yeah, that would be that'd be almost so seems cool. Unrescuable at this point. Ah, oh, that's the thing. It's so much potential. It's so cool. But give give Nolan and Joy like like a six episode Terminator show. Be so sick. That'd be pretty sweet. They'd be so I good don't at it. Feel the need to bring Arnold back for once, or James Cameron. Just like yeah, let some people tackle. Yeah, I mean Arnold. Yeah, I mean I love Arnold, and I uh, he is you know it doesn't get much more iconic than Arnold as the Terminator. I I get the temptation completely, but, but that's why you got to go somewhere else with it. I think it's true, and that's yeah. probably why people really liked the Sarah Connor Chronicles when it was on. But yeah, that's it's another true. point. We could do a whole uh, Terminator show. I fucking love Terminator so much. Anyway, all right. Next up, Caleb finds a trail of his handprints that lead him to a fight with a drone host and an air duct in the ceiling. Um, I it it gave me chills when he picks up his wedding ring, and it's just kind of like this is just fucking. This is a closet full of shit for copies of me. Mm-hmm. That's where it really like it didn't take ten. Aaron Paul's in a scene for me to be like, Oh, this is horrifying. Cause it's like a scene. Ma- this is all manufactured just to make a bunch of him to fuck with him. Mm-hmm. It was him picking up that wedding ring and like looking at it. And I was like, fuck. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the kind of the relentless nature of Charloris. I think it's interesting, but yeah, the, the whole, uh, production of it all the kind of manufacturing mm-hmm. nature of just like well we need we need a thousand of these wedding rings made to spec and yeah i thought the same thing at the very end of the episode when he's standing there like leaning on the chair like that just like frozen and waiting and yeah. i was like i was just looking at his face and i was kind of thinking about the the wig of bangs uh <laughs> and i just thought like it's just amazing like the, the level of detail to go i just that it boggles my mind it's yeah. so so amazing yeah. Yeah. Very freaky, though. Very uh, question the nature of your reality type. It makes you think about, like, I don't know about you, but whenever to this day, whenever I have deja vu, I really stop and think about it for a while because <laughs> mm-hmm. I really start to decipher. And I'm like, why do I feel and I try to remember, like, where did I feel this before? And like, just that is such an interesting phenomenon to me that I, I will never, I never outgrow being fascinated with deja vu yeah no i agree i know i'm the exact same way there's part of me that's like i feel like i literally dreamed about this last night is how i feel about it sometimes yeah and you wonder have i run this course before Mm -hmm. i have no way of knowing or not knowing that uh you know we're not living in some bizarre cloud atlasy scenario of (laughs) you know or a computer simulation yeah uh, that's true who knows knows? the shadow Uh, knows Anything else in that Caleb scene? No. The Caleb stuff is so like A to B that I feel like it's it just kind of like yeah. this happened. It, it's so it's so amazing, but yeah, it's there's very not good. Yeah, there's not too but, much to dive into. Mm-hmm. 
Uh, Bernard tells C that the mole is someone in her crew and that she has to kill them before they kill her. Um, you know, classic mole stuff. I liked Bernard saying, you've killed me many times. It never changes the outcome. Mm-hmm. Uh, which is interesting. We do know that he dies to save the world that was given to us, but yeah, it's true. Interesting that it feels like he just needs to get it to a certain point, and then that's all he can do. It's going to be up to yeah, and then he's willing to other just people. step aside and he yeah. serves his function. Mm-hmm. Um, and then yeah, I broke down kind of three scenes that were together because they were it was a little big. C and J meet again privately. He also insists that it's likely someone on the extraction team is a mole, so he orders C to check their defenses while he worries about the rest of the crew. Uh, upon rewatch, I was more terrified because I was kind of like, did he literally just go and kill everybody else so that he had Frankie mm-hmm. to himself? That would have been cool. Because, you know, the next scene is C traps her partner, Odina, because she's either the mole or she needs to be safe. Uh, yeah, all of that together, I felt it was very much like them having to make the hard choices and also the game theory of like who is the mole and how do i triangulate my way out of this uh very again that's something they could have stretched out for a few episodes and i'm so glad they didn't yep also kudos to was it john that called it i think it was that it was jay and that there was a switcheroo in the stairwell oh i don't know i think john Maybe. did in the discord or I'd at have some to point look back if he did, congratulations, John. It was one of the two of you. And so I don't it must remember be John. even thinking that he got swapped, but uh yeah, he'll he'll let us know. Yes, John. <laughs> he will let us know to toot his horn if Feed, uh, feedback it. Uh yes. That's what I found. Um Yeah, so that was a couple pretty close scenes, uh, but also pretty straightforward. Clementine informs Charloris that Caleb is still on the loose and that she doesn't get close to outliers because she prefers the sheep. I don't know what that meant. Clementine just likes messing with the new hosts. I guess so. Yeah. Kind of sadistic, but I guess it makes her a good uh, front man for uh, William or Man in Black. Well, but then there's the scene that when they when when uh when William orders Hope back to where she came from, that like Clementine does like walk up to her and like caress her face. Yeah. So maybe that's I don't know. Something. It feels like there's something weird going on with Clementine. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know what it is. I'm um, sure there's more to come. Yeah, for sure. She, she just kind of keeps showing up for like one scene or two scenes every episode mm-hmm. or every other episode. And I'm kind of wondering what the larger purpose is, if there even is one or if she's just a henchman. Yeah. I don't know. So. Yeah. Uh, Caleb uses another host Caleb he found in the ducks to break his fall out of the ducks. He makes it outside and finds himself atop a skyscraper in New York City. Um, yeah. <laughs> no, so this good. was this was very good. Like literally the like uh look there's dead caleb's down there 
Yeah. And like, this is probably going to kill me, but I'm going to do it anyway. And then one of the Caleb's that hit himself stops him to be like, Hey bro, just use me. <laughs> yep. Yeah. That reminded me of Swiss army man a little bit too. <laughs> I don't know, but <laughs> yeah, that's good. <laughs> oh man. Swiss army man. Did we see that one at the Birmingham eight? I think we did. I was, yeah, I think, I think so. I yeah. think so. That was a good one. Yeah, that was a good movie. Lost, lost film nerds episode, unfortunately. Yeah, um, uh, yeah this is all a, a great, great sequence. I think, um, you know, the horror of it all, it just become, it just, it just keeps ratcheting up with every single mm-hmm. scene. It just gets more and more horrifying. And yeah, the coming face to face with one of himself dead in the duct or, you know, seemingly dead. And then being like, all right, well, he made it this far. And then be like, look out and be like, Oh, there's two more or three more. However many there were down there that just all didn't make it past yeah. this point. These um, guys clearly didn't tuck and roll. <laughs> I know. I, yeah, I wondered, I was like, how high is that? Come on, man. But he's also deteriorating like before uh-huh. our eyes, which made me wonder how tight are these loops? Like how often is she sending one down this, uh, through this mm-hmm. maze? And it reminded me of two things. I, this is, trying to remember i swear that there was some principle uh i mean you'll know you're like you're a scientist uh i thought there was some kind of principle or or experiment done once where like scientists were repeatedly putting like rats in a maze and like oh god i wish i could remember better the just the, the theory that uh you could put other dead rats in the path, but uh, if a rat was driving toward cheese that it knew was there, it would just go past. It wouldn't heed the warnings of those ones. It would just keep going towards the goal. Mm. Um, is this ringing any bells at all? Some kind mm. of man. I'm really trying to remember. Not exactly. Like no. I think. I mean no. I mean rats in a maze with cheese. Is pretty standard. But sure, sure. I'm just thinking there was something about the fact that like you could put dead ones in its way or something and a rat would not like if it had that goal in mind it would keep driving towards it and it wouldn't it wouldn't be deterred by like mm. seeing like oh shit he's he only made it this far kind of thing yeah uh, i wish i could remember i feel some anyway um the other thing you reminded me of and i feel like we talked about this on another episode of either this show or another show but what is uh, uh green boots from mount everest Yes. Are you yeah, aware? The way, the way, the waypoint on yes. Mount Everest that is a, a, a corpse. Yes. Yes. I, I think he's yep. called Green Boots. Well, I'm going to Google it right now. Green Boots. Yes. Green Boots, for listeners who are not familiar, and I am fascinated with this and I've talked about it many times. Uh, Green Boots is the name given to an, the unidentified body of a climber that became a landmark on the main northeast ridge route of Mount Everest. The body has not been officially identified. He's believed to be an Indian climber who died in 1996. So, this is this is insane mm-hmm. that this is a thing. But there is someone whose body is still, I think, largely preserved uh, because of where it is and because yeah. of the atmospheric conditions. But he is near the very last leg of the climb to Everest. I think he's like something like 30 minutes away from like the summit. So like 
dude either made it almost all the way or made it up and didn't make it back down. I think that's the more popular theory is that he stopped to rest on the way down and then just died uh, because Mount Everest is horrifying and uh, freaks me out all the time to think that this can happen so easily. But anyway, uh, so green boots is a real thing. If you Google it, you can look and see his signature neon green boots and his clothing is also like perfectly preserved because there's nothing up there to uh, eat away at it. And uh, anyway, so yeah, climbers to this day who are summiting Everest, they know when they get to green boots, they can kind of fist pump and go, hell yeah, I'm almost there. Well, he was apparently moved in 2014. Oh, he was? Yes, he was taken... It said the Wikipedia article says in 2014, Green Boots was moved to a less conspicuous location by the Chinese. Okay, but it's too much of for an a effort. long time. Oh yeah, for like decades. Yes, he was. He was. That, he that's was almost literally 20 years. The like, yeah, yeah, like the you're almost there um, uh-huh. waypoint. Yeah, it's amazing and horrifying, but f- fascinating. Mm-hmm. But to think that the effort to move to bring his body all the way down for identification and proper burial is too much effort. You can't, you can't expend the energy or the oxygen to do it. So yeah. you can't airlift it them out. It's so too high that you'd just be adding more bodies to the mountain. Basically. Ex- exactly. Because, yeah. Yep. Yeah. To try to retrieve him, it'd be like a saving private mm-hmm. Ryan scenario. You would just cost more lives to try to bring this dude down. So anyway, yeah. so that's a long tangent on green boots. But anyway, this reminded me of green boots for some reason. When I saw the one in the duct right away, I thought like, this has just been a series of markers of like progress and to see the duct and then the ones down there. And then what we think is going to be the exit just down the hall, basically to be like, Oh, this is your green boots, man. Like these guys made it this far. Did any of them make it further? Can you do it? Kind of thing. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Terrifying. Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) So so good though. And yeah, the one in the duct being like, just, just use my body, dude. Yeah. Sick. And him like crying and saying, I'm sorry as he like, and I'm like, oh, it's you, but it's not like, ugh, the, the, it's the you, ex- but it's not you, but it's also like, not, it's not even you, you know what I mean? <laughs> you're right. Like, like you're not even it, you, but you are you. Like, <laughs> <laughs> aren't you? <laughs> yeah. No, it's like he, it's like it, it, the, the Caleb that we're seeing come through this would likely make the same choice, but he still feels empathy towards that, that host that, that sacrificed his life for him. But neither of them are even really Caleb. <laughs> it's kind of like, yeah, that's weird. Weird yeah, thought experiment. But they all contain that essence of Caleb that is like, there's hope that a message can get out to Frankie. They, and like also, you yeah, they all still care about Frankie, right? They all that's, still, what he, that's what he keeps saying to these other Caleb's is like, Frankie's alive. I got to do this. And they're like, yeah. Oh yeah. And that the one in the duct is kind of like, do it, man. Like just mm-hmm. literally kill me to, uh, to push us forward. Cause it's kind of a collective at that point. Almost it's, yeah. uh, that's just incredible, man. It's yeah. so good. Absolutely. Uh, next up. Jay tries to convince C not to turn Maeve back on, but he slips up and reveals that he's the mole. He disarms C and she hides behind the car. Oh. Uh, this last little bit kind of uh, gets broken up. They go between a couple different things. Uh, the thing he says, he says, you're my family, C. You're like a sister to me. I can't lose you. And then that's what tells her. She says, Jay could be a dick, but at least he was honest. You never want, He never wanted to be my brother. 
Mm-hmm. Um, that was good. Yeah. And we got to see that moment in the beginning. Very good. Uh, Caleb sends a message to see you're going to win and do what I couldn't because you're stronger than me. Uh, this is a really beautiful speech. Yeah. Brutal. And I and like, as it was happening, I was kind of like, she's not going to hear any of this or something. Like, it's just going to be on some, like the, I was waiting for them to show the screen and have it be like upload failed or something like that, you mm-hmm. know? So in the next scene, when she does get to hear like a snippet of it, I'm like, Oh, and then fucking Jay ruins it. Fucking Jay. Jay ruins it like a <laughs> dick. Dick move, Jay. Yeah. But the fact that it is kind of the thing that she can use as a distraction to get to the gun is true. Cool. Yeah. Caleb saved her in yeah. the end. Yeah. So I'll say Frankie hears Caleb over the radar and radio as she fights Jay. She uses the message as a distraction to get a gun, but he sponges out the bullets. Maeve gets the jump on him and takes him out. The old, the old Caleb Maeve dream team for one last, uh, one last save. Yep. Pretty cool. Yeah. I don't quite understand how Maeve got reactivated. They're playing fast and loose with where that control unit was, I think. A little bit. What do you mean? Like, the... Bernard puts the control unit in the piano. Right. And then Jay sees that there's no control unit in her head at some point. That's before. That's earlier. It's before this, but then I guess, so the scene where the fight breaks out between J and C, he's walking up to her maybe to check and then C kind of pulls him off of it, right? Yep. I think maybe she stuck it in that point. She plugged it in and backed up. That's definitely how I I took it. She just was sitting there booting. Yeah. Running some diagnostics and shit. Makes sense. Okay. In the nick of time. Uh, no. Yeah. I don't want to gloss over that Caleb scene, but yeah, no. You, oh God, no. Me neither. That devastated me. I'm sure me. this was your, uh, another one of your Aaron Paul. This is why you get Aaron Paul. <laughs> oh dude. Yeah, man. Oh God. It was rough. I was just thinking like, even knowing the outcome, every single Caleb would have tried to do the exact same thing. And just that, that, that the weight that the love that a father has for his daughter would make him succeed uh, just to get a message out and just to, to deliver that speech and to know. And I thought in this moment, I was like, so this is it. Like I thought Caleb's done like this. Mm. Like I straight up was like, this is the last gasp of Caleb for the show. And there's really no purpose to him anymore because he's passing the torch. He's saying, you're going to do it. Yeah. You don't you don't need me. He's just not he does not need to be the hero of the story. He's just propelling her along. Uh and I thought that was just beautiful. I was super into that idea actually. Like I am I glad he's still going to be on the show? Yeah, absolutely because mm. I really like this territory they're exploring with this Caleb, but I just thought like you know, once once you become a parent, it's not you're not the you're not the main character of the story anymore. You exist to prop that kid up and to, to put them into the world and make them successful so that then they can live their story and be the main character. And like that, 
that idea that you kind of have to just sacrifice so much when you're a parent and uh, it doesn't become about you. It becomes about them. Mm-hmm. And that narratively, that was the road they were going down. It was like, hey, Caleb was the hero for a little while, but he was just doing what we all do ultimately in the cycle of life. He's just pushing it all forward for the next generation to pick up and, and run, pick up the torch and keep sprinting with it. And I was just blown away by that choice. And I just thought, fuck, this is like really powerful. I was so, mm-hmm. I mean, I just was like, I, I don't think I was breathing during this whole scene because I just thought, <laughs> oh my God, this is just such devastating writing too. The knowledge that you're not even who you once were anymore. You're not even who's to say if you're real or not, but you have the opportunity to try to, to push your kid further and give them the last little boost they need in order to get the job done. I just thought this is incredible. Like this is yeah. like, this is the summit of this show. And uh, yeah, I just, uh, just blown away. Yeah. No, it was, it was beautiful. Very beautifully done. And um, it reminded me in ways of like the way I felt watching everything everywhere all at once. Mm-hmm. I'll just leave that at yes. that. Yes, absolutely. Watch that. Everybody Fuck play yeah. portal, then watch everything oh, everywhere all at once. Oh my God. And just, and just have yourself a day. <laughs> <laughs> a day of feelings. Yeah. Uh, Yes. All right. So a couple more points here. Charlores catches up to Caleb on the roof because she manufactured this escape to hear what he would tell his daughter. Caleb tells her the outliers didn't infect her hosts. They're just trying to get away from her. So sweet. Uh, Yeah. (laughs) So good. They just hate you. (laughs) Your hosts would rather die than live in your world. They're not infected. They're just trying to get away from you. It's very good. Uh, I really liked how freakishly strong they made tessa thompson in this episode uh just kind of manhandling caleb once again poor caleb getting tossed around by the hosts but uh it's his lot i liked that i think it worked really well like the way that she snaps his neck and then just kind of tosses him aside at the end here like a fucking teddy bear or something was very impactful to me um but yeah, no, I think, uh, we'll get to the final point. I think that's where my real question lies. Maeve tells C it's time to finish what she and Caleb started so long ago. It was a very brief little scene. Um, I liked C's C C says C tells Maeve she used to, this is what I wrote. So paraphrase C tells Maeve she used to blame her, but she figured if her father is alive, it would be because of her. Uh, mm-hmm. the fact that they both think that Caleb, the human is still alive. I think is oh, it's so about sad. to be very heartbreaking. <laughs> yeah. The, re- the reunion between Caleb and Frankie is just going to be devastating. Yes. If, if it happens, but oh my God, it's just going to rock. Mm-hmm. It's going to be child well, legacy times a million. Not even Caleb and Frankie, but also Caleb and Maeve. How yeah. much of this will be Maeve being like, look at what they've done to you. Yeah. But also, I'm grateful that you're still here in some form, maybe, uh, will be interesting. But yeah, like Frankie looking upon her father, who is as young as he was the day that he left her, uh, kind it's of be... Fallout 4-ish or something like that, even in some Ooh, ways. Yeah, but yeah, 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 yeah. Didn't even think about that. Yeah, um, totally. <laughs> yeah. Aaron Paul as Gary in the vault that has all the Garys. All the Garys. In them. <laughs> yeah. 
That's what I want out of Jonathan Nolan's. Or is that in three? No, that's Fallout 3, I think. I think the Gary Vault is in Fallout 3. I'm going to confirm. Gary Vault. This doesn't matter to anybody listening to this right now. Oh, I don't know about that. Fallout. Uh, Vault 108 is in the Capital Wasteland. Yeah, Fallout 3. Okay. God, that was so funny. That's very good. I remember stumbling upon that and just being like, what the fuck? (laughs) Gary. (laughs) (laughs) Gary. Yeah. No, yeah, this so is uh, Caleb is this is Caleb's Gary Vault for sure. Uh, and then the final scene: Charlotte incinerates the last of the Caleb hosts and prints one more. Build two seventy nine. Uh, so, what do you think? Is this? Are we finally getting to the sadistic? I mean, obviously, what she's done to Caleb is very sadistic anyway. But is this getting to the sadistic of like I want to use you to? affect frankie in some way yep i think that's where it's going i think it's about to get a lot darker i think Mm -hmm. she kind of realized like she can't she can't pull the information that she needs out of caleb so she's going to manipulate him into taking her to frankie basically and just killing this resistance once and for all does she just throw another does she put her pearl in caleb I don't think that that's her style at this point. Yeah, because, well, and she sits down with him to start the fidelity stuff. You don't do that if you're just going to toss his pearl aside, right? I think it's going to be much more nefarious than that. I think she might tell him, like, you know, we might see her saying, like, oh, you were you were injured and you were bleeding out or something. And he knows he was bleeding out. But, I know, you know, you've been at the hospital, we've been recovering. Like, I think it's going to be a full-on, like, gaslight to the nines and uh mm. she's gonna try to convince him that she's on his his side and that he's instead of torturing him she's gonna you know stick the knife in his back once she sets him down the path to frankie yeah uses him to pull frankie in mm-hmm. yeah interesting yeah, it's about to get real nasty yeah great up great up really good up good up I really loved all the, I just keep thinking about the portal, the portaliness of it. And that uh, just, man, it was so cool. I can't get the Gary vault out of my head now. That's all I can think <laughs> of. Is That's all funny. The Gary's running around. So yeah, when Jonathan get... Nolan stumbles upon vault 108 and oh, his yeah, fallout show yeah, on Amazon. That's right. Maybe, maybe he'll cast Aaron Paul as Gary in the show. <laughs> so a bunch of Aaron Paul's running around saying Gary. It either needs to be See, Aaron Paul or Michael Keaton, in my opinion. It's got to be somebody that, uh, or like Brian Cranston, who could who could just only be able to say the word Gary, but display such a range of emotions in it. <laughs> it's Vin Diesel, actually. Oh my God, I'm Gary. <laughs> I'm excited oh, for good. that show. I, I shouldn't be, but I am. Oh, I'm well, you make it. Walton Goggins a ghoul, I'm in. I think I dude I hope you're right I hope he's playing all the ghouls he's just every single ghoul (laughs) even like the women ghouls I just want Walton Goggins to be every ghoul it's just several different states of decrepitude on Walton Goggins frame yeah I think I mean in all seriousness I think he's just gonna be a ghoul and there will be multiple ghouls but god that would be quite a quite a coup Mm -hmm. Uh, that'd be so funny (laughs) yeah this creative team um well, hey, so there are some 
there's some serious shit going down right now at WB slash whatever, mm-hmm. whatever they mm-hmm. are these days. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And they are slashing and burning shows mm-hmm. and movies like crazy. And it never occurred to me until literally this moment that Westworld might get caught up in that wake. Yeah. And boy, would that be awful. (laughs) We get through four seasons just to have it, have the rug pulled out at the end. (sighs) I don't know. I have to do some more research into the extent of what's happening, but there's some degree of some kind of merger. And it doesn't seem like anything is sacred because they're canceling. They're just canceling projects that are complete. Uh, like this Batgirl movie apparently is done and ready to be released pretty much. And they're just well, like, oh, it's just not happening anymore. The other thing that is coming out with all of that is that the test screenings for the movie have been abysmal. Like, That's, like horrible is what I've been seeing. But I've I, been you seeing know. that in a lot of comments and people on Twitter saying that, but I have yet to see an actual source from inside the studio validating that. I feel like it's anything related to WB and the DC cinematic universe at this point, I have a really hard time believing because now that we found out that the restore the Snyderverse campaign was primarily propelled by bots Mm -hmm. um, and not actual people. So it turns out the people that were championing it were really just a small vocal minority. And ultimately the greater uh, film uh, appreciation landscape was not actually wishing for this and WB slash DC spent all this money remaking this thing for an audience of like a sliver. Yeah. Um, I think it's really funny, but anyway, it just makes me think very skeptical of everything. Cause yes, I saw tons and tons of comments on Twitter and Reddit and stuff saying like, yeah, the movie's supposed to be really bad though. And a lot of people saying like, well, who's, who says that? Like where, how do we know that? And it doesn't seem to be any credible source saying that it might be true, but I don't know, man. Yeah. WB it looks has, like it was the, the New York post cited a source who called the quality of the movie unspeakable. So <laughs> the New York post is not even the most, uh, <laughs> unspeakable, but like they've still released some stinkers. I don't know. I don't know. I mean, do I think it's necessarily a bad idea for them to just slash and burn the DC cinematic universe? No, but anyway, I just don't want it because now there's rumors too, that HBO max is going to be folded up and rolled into the uh, discovery. discovery plus and who knows yeah. what's going to happen to all the HBO originals, et cetera, et cetera. So I'm hoping that Westworld is protected by some kind of contract. Um, or somebody at HBO is going to remain in control of HBO stuff and say like, no, we're still making that. Cause who knew, who knows at this point? But anyway, uh, yeah. I wish I hadn't said these words out loud cause I'm afraid it's going to happen. Yeah. Hopefully you haven't manifested it, but no, I think it's going to, <sighs> that would be the dumbest way for this to come to an end. But, uh, yeah, Bernard, which timeline are we in? <laughs> yeah. The darkest. Is there we a 40% know. chance that we get... We already know we're in the darkest timeline. Yeah, that's true. Well, yeah. no, I think that's it. Yeah. Awesome episode. Uh, really upset. I, once again, I have to wait many more days until the next one. What are you most excited 
to see that you think you might see in these last two episodes. Oh, real Jesus, quick. I got two minutes. I got two I, minutes. That's all I, I got. I genuinely have no idea because I don't know yeah. what to expect. Yeah. I guess I'm excited. I'm excited to see what the end game is for the show uh, and where it's driving toward. I, like I kind of, I want some indication of what the big <laughs> final season is going to be about. I would love to see the return of a few old favorites um, as we reach the final stages here. Uh, I think at this point, I just want to know what's up with Christina, I think is the number one kind of burning question. What's going on with that and Teddy? Uh, yeah, I agree. I was going to say, I feel like my lingering question is still what drew, <laughs> what, what drew James Marsden back to the role if he left season, if he left after season two being bored with what they were doing with Teddy. Yeah. <laughs> Cause it doesn't feel like there's a ton there, but i it seems like it serves, he's going to serve an important purpose in the end. Right. But yeah, for sure. Um, That'll be interesting. And then I still, my, my, I think I theorized in our little mid season that this season may end with a, we have to go back to the OG park. Yeah. I think you might be on some something kind. there. Not that, I, not that I think the whole season is going to take place there, but that there's, there's, there's got to be, I, I would think there's going to be some reason that like Westworld itself becomes important again. So Ford, Ford is in there somewhere. Yeah. He's rattling around. It's like the grid. The ghost of Ford. Yeah. The, the, the digital. Or young, young, the boy Ford. Did boy Ford die? I can't remember. I don't, I don't know. Anything. Yeah, he's all grown up now into Anthony Hopkins. <laughs> Beautiful. 32 yeah, years know. later. That's um, all the uh, he, yeah, exactly. He's looked like, he has looked like that for a long time. I mean, it has been a while. True. True. Yeah. All right. That's so all good. I got. Once again, you can find more episodes of our podcast on Westworld.fm. We're also on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher Radio, and Google Podcasts. You can email us at Westworld.fm at gmail.com to send in corrections, observations, or anything regarding Westworld or our podcast. The Midwest Podcast Network has several other shows about video games, horror movies, and more. Check out all of our shows at MidwestPodcastNetwork.com. Our theme music is the song Industrial Cinematic by Kevin McLeod, and it is being used under an attribution Creative Commons license. That's it for our episode this week. We're very excited for the next episode of Westworld, and we'll have another episode of our podcast out after that. But until then, may you rest and have a deep and dreamless slumber.